What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. We're coming at you live from Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. I don't know why. Uh, maybe that's like me growing up Nickelodeon or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, anyway, episode number two. You know, I, uh, in the first podcast, I started ranting on the us being on the mid-sports podcast thread, and that ended up not being the case. So for new listeners, you probably had no idea what I was talking about. So uh, let's just... Agree to forget and move on. Baby, what's up, man? <laughs> what up, man? You're so random. <laughs> um, again, welcome to another episode. We're going to talk a little bit today about the Odell Beckham contract, whether or not that was deserved, undeserved. I think we both uh, kind of feel the same about that. Uh, college football is back this weekend, so we'll get on. We'll touch on a few of the big games, uh, discuss whether or not rankings matter in the first six weeks, uh, maybe touch on the playoffs, and, of course, um what's going on with ohio state and uh as always we'll fit in some nba talk we had one of the all-time greats unless you're on you know young buck nba twitter or instagram or something uh manny ginobili retired so uh that's it man let's get into it you gotta uh, quit letting these kids make you so mad they make me mad man, man. <laughs> i had a kid say Shaq was soft i, I almost choked him out <laughs> um, then in the very next breath said he don't know who Akeem Olajuwon is it's the craziest thing I've ever heard yeah you gotta just end those conversations immediately and let me tell you something if you were born after I don't know 95 I don't talk basketball with you that is my new rule moving forward I just don't because uh, you don't know shit so alright man let's go with let's uh, let's start with Odell Beckham um, gets paid well, what was the contract numbers? Ninety million with forty-five million guaranteed. Uh, nah, he got five years, ninety-five million with sixty-five million guaranteed. That's nineteen million a year, making him the highest-paid receiver in the league. Um, that's two million more than Antonio Brown's per-year contract, and that's more total money than Mike Evans. Um, 82 million. So the ninety-five, he has the largest contract in all aspects. And for those of you out there, I mean, NFL contracts don't mean shit as far as the the total contract. So ninety five million, he's guaranteed the sixty five. He'll never see the other thirty. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Nah, um, he will. He will. No way. It just doesn't yeah. happen. They'll they'll either restructure that bitch or they will release him, trade him. He ain't gonna see that thirty million. Well, not to get too technical, I'd be interested looking at details to see how much money of that's pushed f- um, forward because these players are getting a lot smarter. Um, that's actually the problem with Earl Thomas right now is that when he negotiated his contract his agent was smart enough to get all his money pushed up in the first three years so he hit everything and got the total of his contract the problem with that is that he was injured for like two years and they didn't re-sign him so now he's on the last year of that contract and it's like five hundred thousand dollars my aspect of that is that well you already got your money so I don't have any incentive to re-sign you because you're out there paying a whole season for $500,000 now because we already paid you. Right. Um, in terms of the Odell contract, man, I mean, do you think that's uh, well-deserved? Do you, what, what do you think about that? Do you think he should be the highest-paid wide receiver in uh, in all of football? I do. I mean, I think the, I think, um, the contract, just the contract, just talking about Odell, just talking about what he does, I do believe he's the best receiver in the league. Now, even if you say Antonio Brown's the best receiver, you still have to pay Odell more because Odell's only 25 years old. 
So he's a young franchise player, whereas Antonio Brown's kind of on the tail end of his career. Still good, still probably the best total receiver in the league, but Odell, you pay him for his youth. I wouldn't say he's on the tail end, but he's definitely, you know, he's about uh, 30 this year, so. Yeah, he's on, the, he's, on the back, he's on the back nine. He's on the back nine for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I definitely think that the contract was deserved. I mean, you look at what, what the Giants are with him on the field and the numbers that he's put up. Um, you know, he's put up numbers that are comparable to Jerry Rice and Randy Moss and, you know, some of the all-time greats. And when he's fully healthy, his floor is like 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, something crazy like that. Um, you know, that, that's what he's put up every single year that he's been in the league and, and been healthy, even when he missed four games uh, to start his career. Uh, the, I mean, bottom line is the, the dude's a monster. And I think he's going to put up numbers again this year if he's healthy with the addition of Saquon Barkley that, you know, um, coming out of the backfield, that's going to, that's going to, if he's, if he's gashing you up the middle and, you know, Saquon's having a big day, a big game, that's only going to free up Odell more. Yeah, I mean, the most impressive part about his numbers is he's doing this with virtually no run game. Um, they haven't had a run game in since his, his entire time being there. So with the numbers that he's putting up, that's super impressive. I actually went back to compare his numbers to the other two top-paid receivers, and, and Antonio Brown just blows him out of the water. Now, a lot of that's because Odell only played four games last year. So I did a four-year stretch. Since Odell only played four games last year, Antonio Brown's numbers just look crazy. It's like Antonio Brown has 472 catches, 6,349 yards, and 44 touchdowns, opposed to Odell's 313 catches, 4,424 yards, and 38 touchdowns. So, I mean, AB is a lot more productive, but if you take that year, I mean, that's 14 games. That could have made those numbers a lot closer. But the problem is with those numbers and those stats, how much does a receiver translate into wins? That's always the big question. I mean, listen, I do. I definitely think Odell deserves the contract, but for me, um, I don't believe in paying. Uh, I mean, you know, this contract is one thing, and I think if I think everyone should get paid what they're worth in the NFL, and I think that there's a lot of guys that are underpaid. Um, you know, when you compare the NFL to the NBA, but. Um, so I'm not for the guys getting paid, but if I'm running a team, I don't feel that a position or a skill position player is going to win you um, a championship. Now, can they, they make your offense dynamic? Absolutely. But outside of Jerry Rice, I mean, the top receivers ever, how many of those dudes have rings? It, the, the number is very small. Yeah, because even with Antonio Brown, those numbers that he's put up, I mean, he's good enough to get the Steelers consistently in the playoffs. But I don't think they've been past the second round in a few years now. Right. Um, even last year against the Jaguars, I mean, that's the time where you would need your big-time player to step up. And he's seen the struggle against those Jags. So I just – because – so I have a problem with receivers. Not not so much running backs. I know we have the debate about running backs. My thing about receivers is they don't control their own destiny. Like a running back, I can hand you the ball. No matter what who my quarterback is, I can hand you the ball – and you can go get yards. You can be my safety net. I can check it down to you. It's much easier to get running backs the ball than it is wide receivers. Wide receivers, I mean, I can run great routes every time, but if the quarterback can't give me the ball, then my numbers are going to suffer. I think that's a lot of the reason why you see Hopkins' numbers suffer. As great as he is and the numbers that he put, put up, if he had a decent quarterback, 
that dude would be putting up crazy numbers. Right, yeah, you see what he does when he does have a good quarterback that, I mean, yeah, his, his numbers are out of this world. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, running backs is one thing. Even if you pay a running back a ton of money, I mean, their their shelf life is so short that, um, you know, it, it doesn't hurt you in the long run, I think. But, again, man, I mean, you look at the top running backs of all time. You look at some of the greatest and, and – just those guys don't have rings. You know, you look at, you know, who I consider is one of the top five running backs of all time, LaDainian Tomlinson. While they were all, there were always good Charger teams and while they always fed him the ball, the success as far as in the playoffs just was never there. And that's not to say that's his fault or that it would be Odell's fault or Hopkins' fault, but, you know. Is it your fight song? Yeah, OU, baby. It's that time of year. Got a little. Got a little college college football <laughs> going on in the background. I thought you just scored a touchdown. NCAA fourteen. Hey, I, I don't know that's, what that that's happened, that boomer so. sooner thing song. Um. So anyway, yeah, I I think that um, you know, it, it's tough to pay to pay skilled positions. Now, if you're the Steelers, what's what's really the excuse? Because now you've got yeah. You know, I mean, even though he's on the franchise tag, you've got. Le'Veon being paid, you got uh, Antonio Brown being paid, you have Big Ben that's already got a fat contract. So you have all the the guys that you need that you should pay to win. At some point, they're going to run out of excuses well, they as to why that offense can't be put. But over they the top. haven't paid Le'Veon yet, so that's the thing. Yeah, but he's on he's the on franchise the, tag. He's going to get fourteen million. Yeah, this but year. I mean that you know, running backs are more about security. So if you don't lock him up long term, is he running and giving his all? Does he have a security that he can run out there and get hurt? I think Le'Veon's been protecting himself for the last two years. Although he's been great, I don't think he's been going all in. So part of the problem in the NFL is that's all about security. And since they're not locking Le'Veon up, there's always going to be that thing. Le'Veon's not going to play if his ankle's tweaked. He's not going to play through those injuries, and I don't blame him. So that's part of the reason. And another reason is... The NFL is different than basketball. Like, you can draft the number one pick in basketball. He can make an immediate impact. There's so many different levels to football that skilled players can't They can't make up for. They can't make up for your secondary. They can't make up for not getting any pressure. They can't make up for an offensive line they can't block. So part of the reason why you see these great players that gets drafted and they're top five running backs or receiver, they're usually going to bad teams because there's not a lot of – Great running backs or great raw receivers that you're finding in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Occasionally you get a Tom Brady. Occasionally you find a Jerry Rice. But most of the time these players are going in, you know, the top of the draft to bad organizations that haven't been good in a while. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so would you? We we kind of talked a little bit about uh, Odell being, you know, the best, if not uh, maybe the second best receiver in the league, but. Just so we can get a, a top five ranking out of you, where do you rank him? I guess overall as your as your top five receivers in the league, is he one? Is he two? Um, just based on skill set, I would say that he would have to be behind Antonio Brown. His hands are incredible, but man, I just gotta I, I gotta put Hopkins number two and then Odell. So my list would go A B, Hopkins, Odell. Those are those are my top three receivers. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it would be those three. There's really, I, I think those three are above 
pretty much everyone else and then there's i won't say like a steep drop off yeah. but that's definitely the top it's three a pretty in- pretty deep drop off now aj's in there but i think aj with andy dalton man it's that's another quarterback situation but i think aj would definitely be the fourth one on my list but not switching topics but we just named our top wide receivers but the the contracts don't really reflect that i mean you got brandon cooks making five years 81 million 16 per you got sammy watkins making 16 million dollars a year three years 48 million dollars now cooks i can make a case for but what in the hell has sammy watkins done to deserve that type of money that is crazy to me yeah i wouldn't even put sammy watkins as i don't even think he's a top 10 i don't think he's a top 20 Uh, receiver (laughs) i don't think he's a top 20 receiver either i mean i i just think that that that's goofy and that even when i saw that contract i was like really sammy watkins yeah i'm i'm cool with brandon cooks i mean that dude produces everywhere he's gone so um you know but sammy watkins has done the exact opposite of that you know a he can't stay healthy and b you know he just he's definitely not a difference making wide receiver and a lot of that can be said you can say okay well you know he's in buffalo which you know a lot of that is true but i've seen Good receivers put up well. At least well, he good was with the with he was with the Rams receiver. last year, and Jared Goff was spreading that ball around to a lot of different players, and he wasn't one of them. He was kind of they right. were winning despite him. He had a couple of good games, but I don't think you can use the quarterback excuse because he was on a good team last year with a good defense, and he had a chance to really prove himself and make an impact. So I think that's a bigger knock on him than anything that he didn't do anything last year with the Rams with Todd Gurley open you open it up for a lot of one on one coverages. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. Um, I, I mean, that's just it's it's insane that he's making that kind of money. Uh, but like I said, man, if, if I, I'm never going to knock a guy to get getting paid. So um, I just, you know, I'd be pretty pissed off if my team was the one paying him that kind of money. Yeah. Well, luckily they're not. Let's get into some of this college football, man. I'm excited to be back. We got games starting on Thursday. The games aren't great. But then again, I watched Jacksonville State versus North Carolina A&T and Hawaii versus Colorado this weekend, so I'm itching for football. You excited? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it took college football years and years to kind of figure out that um, their week one should be ahead of the NFL and that they could pretty much own Labor Day weekend if they wanted to. So finally, you know, over the past few years, you've started to see some big-time matchups, you know. Um, now, has, has the weekend always lived up to the hype? No. Like, you know, last year or the year before, whichever year it was, when – we had USC Alabama that was supposed to be the big one, but it turned out to just be a real dud. Um, but this week we've got uh, Michigan Notre Dame is kind of the headliner, um, you know, and you're finishing off your weekend with uh, Miami LSU as well as Virginia Tech, Florida State, um, Alabama Louisville. So there are some big games going on this week: uh, Tennessee West Virginia. And your boy Chip Kelly returns to college, man. So it should be at least exciting to start to kick off the season. Yeah, and what I like about the schedule is you get right into it, man. You look at these AP rankings, you're going you're gonna to clear out a lot of names very early. I mean, they'll have a chance to get back in it. But this new trend of trying to take your loss early and then so you can fight back has led to some really nice non-conference matchups. Teams are more confident they can lose a game the first game of the season and get back into it. Now, I would say for teams like Auburn and teams like uh, Michigan 
it's a and Florida State, it's a lot tougher because it puts a lot of pressure on you to win that game because you know you got to play Alabama later in the year. You know you have to play Clemson later in the year. You know you have a matchup with Ohio State waiting on you. So if you lose that first game of the season, it's going to be tough for you to get in that college football playoff. And that's what brings a lot of intrigue to this first weekend because you got a lot of tough matchups early. Yeah, and I don't necessarily love that. You know, if you lose your game first weekend, you're out. You know, I don't think that's the way it should be. And it's not necessarily the case with a lot of the Power 5 schools, but still I think it's, you know, I don't love that. I know I know where you stand, you know, every, every game matters. But um, I think that we should reward the teams who are at least willing to um, go out and schedule tough opponents um, or else we wouldn't be getting these games. So uh, Well, I was actually just talking know. to one of my um, coworkers about this yesterday, and I think the solution would be because you, you want to keep it to where every game matters. You definitely don't want to get in, like, the NCAA territory where you're getting – eight to 10 to 12 teams in the playoffs. That's going to take some of the intrigue. Yeah, getting 12 teams in, there'll be some debates. You won't have anybody left out. But the problem is, is it doesn't add that intrigue. The fact that only four teams make it is a big deal. What I don't like about it is for teams like Alabama, teams like Ohio State, and even uh, probably a team like OU, you can go 10-1 and and not play in your championship game and still be able to make it in. So that's kind of a problem. But as the NCAA, you need to have those teams in there. So I think they should do a six-team playoff. And with that six teams, four teams, you get the guaranteed bid like NCAA basketball. So that way you can can kind of shake it up a little bit. Because like last year, if, say, Wisconsin wins or Auburn beats, you know, Alabama, Georgia, whatever, then you got the guaranteed bid. And then you'll have two power five teams fighting for two spots. So I think that would be the best of both worlds. They go to a 16 playoff. Yeah, I don't know about 16. For me, I think eight would be the perfect spot because, you know, truthfully, I don't think that the teams are as good once you get past maybe six, seven. No, no, no. So I I just don't want to. I think I'm saying it wrong. A six team playoff, not a 16, just six teams. You got four automatic bids from the conferences and then you got two basically at large bids based on records and resumes. So you're. Okay, yeah, that that makes a bit more sense because I was going to say, you know, I I don't think there should be a situation where, you know, UCF is left out of the college football playoff when they go undefeated. And we can talk about their schedule, this, that, and the other, but they deserve to be in last year, and I think that... Uh, mm, well, in the, 16 play, in the 16 playoff, they probably still get left out because you're still taking Alabama. <laughs> you're still taking Ohio but State. But you know what? But that's because the NCAA is a money grab. And, you know, they're, they're going to – my theory is they're always going to put in teams that are going to bring in the most money, and UCF doesn't bring in money. They're so going to put in the teams that travel think, the best. I mean, they're not going to – you're going to always fill up the Right, teams. but that, does, that doesn't make it right. You know, if, if we really want to see the best teams, then we should really want to see the best teams, not – oh, well, Alabama has two losses. Let's figure out a way to get them in there. And I'm just throwing Alabama out because they haven't had two losses in forever. But uh, I mean, truthfully, that's truthfully the, best, on it. the best they've ever done it was when they used RPI and they really did strength the schedule. The problem with that is you can definitely get a team like Wisconsin versus Oregon State. You know what I mean? Because as I always argue with the SEC fans, is that, yeah, Bama's schedule isn't tough. You know, everybody always says, well, OU plays a soft schedule. Well, 
any team that dominates your conference, your schedule's kind of soft because you dominate those teams. But for a team like Arkansas that plays almost every team that Bama plays, that's always a tough schedule year in and year out. So if you look at a team like Arkansas, their schedule's always going to be harder than like a Bama. You know what I mean? Well, oh, I know <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> I'm a Razorback fan, so yes, I know exactly what you mean. Um, no, and, and you're exactly right. And outside of Alabama, basically, you, you, you get people talking about how, um, you know, the, the SEC West, I think, is the hardest conference in college football. It's tough. Uh, it re- it really is, but you know Alabama for whatever reason year in year out. I mean they are truly the the cream of the crop when it comes to um, really to anyone else. Um, them you could throw Auburn in there, but I don't think we've seen this run. I think I would say that this run surpasses the USC run in the early two thousands, the Miami run. You know, the, well d- definitely the, because it's been longer. So it surpassed it because it's it's ran so long. We hadn't seen anything like this in a while. It probably goes back to the the last time Alabama was dominating. What was that coach's name? Uh, Bear, Bear Bryant. Bryant. But the thing about Alabama, though, you're right. But I think Alabama has a lot of cushion, too. Because if a team like, say, uh, USC even, if they lose and they don't go to their championship game, the committee hasn't been giving them the benefit of the doubt. Not even like a OU. If you lose and then you miss your championship game. Alabama last year lost, and even though they had one loss, they still were able to get back in. They always have that security that, hey, I can get back in. Because if it comes down to a situation where it's my resume against anybody else's resume, even if my strength of schedule isn't as good, they're going to select me because I'm Bama. And I think that's why the conference championship should hold more weight. Because even though that Bama's Bama, they were defending champs or went to the championship, so what? They get a they get a benefit of the doubt by not playing that extra game. So if you don't play that championship game, how do you still get in? Auburn beat them. Auburn had beaten Georgia. They go to the championship game and they lose to Georgia. Okay, you're out. But now Bama, who you just beat the week before, gets into the college football playoff. That's not fair either. Oh, I, I completely agree. I 100% agree with you there. Um, you know, but it is what it is, man. Let's Before we move on, man, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in Ohio State. So um, how do we feel about this? We got Urban Meyer who came up with a real horseshit excuse or uh, bullshit apology um, for what took place there. And um, he's serving a three-game suspension, which, by the way, is less than – players serve for you know bad grades for weed for you know selling autographs whatever the, the case is um so basically just a slap on the wrist um and that to me it basically just says ohio state doesn't give a shit about anything but winning um and that's not to talk about the football coach that that's to talk about them as a school uh, so you know looking at the bigger picture i think that ohio state got it wrong as a university as a higher education um, institution, you know, football be damned. You know, I think that they have really shown that that nothing matters besides winning in college football. Well, I think they showed that when they hired Urban Meyer. Because if you look at Urban Meyer's track record at Florida, I think he had the most arrest, um, or one of the most arrests. He had like over twenty five arrests for players um, before he took his you know time to be with his family, which I believe he was pushed out. Um, then you add to the fact that 
he probably had one of the worst teams ever. I mean, you literally had um, Hernandez shooting people in the face while he was on the team and never even got a suspension. How is that possible? Then you right. hire this dude, and Ohio State has shown that this is how they are because they didn't want to get rid of Trestle. Now, whether I agree with the punishment with Terrell Pryor and them, you know, selling tats jerseys and tattoos, I don't really care about that. But the fact that it was so big and they still didn't want to let go of Trestle, you know that they are going to value winning over anything else. So, I mean, this is in their character. It's terrible because you got a coach that uses players up, and they don't. he doesn't teach them to be men. If I'm sending my son to your school, you should be holding them accountable teaching them to be men. And it doesn't matter if you're talented if you play for Urban Meyer. He's proven that. You know, and I think the, the thing that bugs me the most is when you talk about how, um, you know, clearly uh, um, Zach Smith had something over him, you know, some type of info on him. There are reports that came out from Zach Smith's ex-wife that said, you know, if he goes down, then Urban's going to go down or the entire program's going down. Um, you know, so Urban, I mean, clearly there was dirt there. He tried to cover for this dude for a long time. And it was, I mean, it was just a shitty, a shitty situation. And then you talk about the excuse of, oh, you know, Urban had brain surgery, so he doesn't remember oh, anything Lord. outside of football. <laughs> and there's proof that he went and asked how to delete text messages. I mean, there's just so much in there that just proves, like, the, the guy's a, a dirty. Well, he obviously runs and, a dirty program, so anybody on his staff, he has to keep them close. Because we all, that's the thing about the NCAA, I don't understand. Like, we can look at teams and know that they're running dirty program based on all the smoke around the school. But the NCAA will never even investigate it. Uh, if you're big enough and you bring in enough money. I'm a big fan of North Carolina basketball. But we all know that they probably should have got some type of suspension. They literally got a tap on the wrist. They had a scandal of academics of enormous proportion. And they just kept kind of delaying it delaying it delaying it till it's out of people's memory and then they slap them on the wrist now you had ex-players and stuff testifying against this so it doesn't matter as long as that school is bringing in enough money the ncaa will not look deep into it it's proven yeah it's a unfortunate situation man i, I you know no matter what we say, that's not. There's not much that's going to change that. So if Ohio State ends up going far in, into the uh, college football playoffs, congratulations. You know, at the end of the day, you guys are still a pretty shitty university. So and Buckeye fans um, suck. Just FYI, <laughs> they do. I know some of them personally. They are, for the most part, I don't like any of them. Um, all right, man. Let's get to the some NBA news. Uh, Manu Ginobili. Uh, retired uh, after 17 seasons in the NBA. Um, you know, help be really along with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and David Robinson um, launch this dynasty that the Spurs have had over the last, you know, the better part of 20 years. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, it's obviously time. I mean, the motherfucker was old, but he was still balling. But, um, Kind of sad to see him go. The Spurs aren't going to yeah, be the same. He had a 17-year NBA career, but he actually had a 23-year professional career because overseas, I mean, they're not like the United States where they make you go to high school. I mean, you can literally turn pro at 14 if you're good enough. So this dude's been playing 
you know, international professional for 23 years, and his resume is crazy. He's a four-time NBA champ, two-time All-Star, six-man of the year. To go along with the fact that he's a six-man of the year, he actually changed the six-man position where it's like a weapon. Um, they've had people people do that, like microwave, Kurt, microwave, what is his name? Vinny Microwave Johnson or something? Vinny yeah, Johnson, you yep. had players in the past that do that, but Mono Ginobili really changed that position to the fact where I think that's why Oklahoma City ended up losing James Harden because they wanted him to be that instant scorer off the bench. So the things that he's done in his career is just dynamic. And as you said, some younger players will never respect him because over the past five years they've seen a shell of themselves. They don't remember when Ginobili was coming through doing and one moves left-handed. No one remembers that, dunking on people. So this dude, he was dynamic, dynamic. I mean, and created the Euro yeah. step. I mean, I wouldn't say he created, <laughs> not created, he but you know, it to the NBA made it popular. And made it popular, but man, I seen right. that dude do an in and out move with his left hand, and I, you know, you always see that type of stuff on, you know, and when when I seen that dude do it in the game, it was so crazy. So I just respect that dude's career. NBA is not going to be the same without him, but I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. Uh I think anyone that debates it is absolutely out of their mind. Um, you know, he's well. Most people that's going to debate it are going to be people game. that don't respect international basketball because his international resume is better than his NBA resume, and his NBA resume is pretty fucking incredible. <laughs> right. So, you know, he. It's you know now that it's kind of crazy to think that that Spurs dynasty, you know, Duncan Parker. And uh, Ginobili are all gone, uh, you know, with Tony Parker being the only one left in the NBA for now. Um, but, you know, that, that so you look at that Spurs team and, and you really won't even recognize it, uh, which is kind of weird to say when you see something um, that's just lasted for 20 years. It's just, you know, it's, it's going to be different to see that this NBA season. Yeah, I mean, you can count the championships and say, hey, they only finished, you know, from 99 to 2014. They finished with four titles, five titles, right? Was it four or five? Five, five titles. titles. Nope. So from 99 to 2015, they finished with five titles. But, I mean, they went against the L.A. Lakers in their prime. Two sets. They went against the Kobe by himself. They went against when Kobe and Shaq was together. They also went against the LeBron team. <laughs> I mean, they... I mean, they went, they went against, you know, three of the top ten players of all time in Kobe, Shaq, and LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, so... To get five rings out of that, you know, with only having one um, top ten player in Tim Duncan. I mean, that's still. And, I mean, you, know, you got to also count that they also ran up against the the Thunder with Durant and Westbrook. So, at some point, you're going to have to count those players in your top ten because I definitely think Kevin Durant's going to finish in the top ten. Westbrook is going to be somewhere close. Well, let's not forget that they lost to the great team of all of them, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, in 2013. So they learned a little bit about grit and grind. The Memphis still has a team? So, Oh, wow. Who are you a fan of? <laughs> the great Miami Heat. We got two titles in the past decade. I had to make sure I, that wasn't a lie. <laughs> man. Um, anyway, man, so... That's it. That's all. So we've got some college football this weekend. It's week four of the preseason in the NFL, so we really don't need to talk about that. Um, Other than that, anything else you want to add? I want to end with you telling me 
Who is your college football playoff? I need a prediction for the end of the year before games are being played. Four teams. Who's your four teams? Uh, I'm going to go with Arkansas. <laughs> um, you know, for me, man, it, it, I, I really don't like doing this kind of stuff with college football just because it's so – I mean, you look at the rankings at the beginning of the season, they really just don't matter until about week six. But if um, – if I had a gun to my head, I'd probably say Alabama, um, Clemson. Uh, Oklahoma's got a shot. I think Georgia is going to get in. And I think a dark horse, as we talk about every year, between Washington and Wisconsin, I think Washington can get in. I mean, it's going to be your same old, same old crew, um, which, again, is why I think they should change the college football playoff because three of those four teams have been in every single year. So, um, but I think I've, if I had to choose, I would choose um, – I think two SEC teams are going to get in. Uh, so I think it's going to be Georgia. I think it's going to be Alabama. I think it's going to be Washington. And, um, man, I I think it's going to be Clemson. Yeah. I think that'll be the four. Yeah, I don't think uh, two SEC teams are going to get in this year. Um, I think the, the schedule is going to be kind of brutal for them. And if Alabama actually plays Georgia in the final, I don't think both of those can get in. only reason they got in is because they didn't play each other in the finals, um, the SEC championship. I'm taking Georgia, Oklahoma, of course, um, Washington. I think that they have a really good chance of getting in. And I think that uh, – Ohio State will do it this year. Even though Wisconsin might give them trouble, but I'll go with Ohio State. That's the four I'm going with, and that's the four I'm sticking with. Georgia will beat Bama in the SEC championship game and knock Bama out. Washington will beat Auburn week one. All right. Well, we'll know by this time next week if the latter part of that is true. So that's what we got y'all been another episode of the two smart dummies podcast and uh we'll see you next week peace